Hello and welcome back to the Dicebreaker podcast. This is episode 37, Lolies. More than 11. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Surely 37. the bingo call for more than 11 is 12. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> or more literally than 11, any number. 37. <laughs> that is the bingo. Also, the I hear that. Yeah, it's that's bad, right? Uh, I heard that you didn't do last week's one either, so I want to catch oh. us up on that one. Oh, oh, thank goodness. Goodness. <laughs> the bingo call for 36 is three dozen. It doesn't rhyme. No, it's just maths. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's not maths. It's it's a bastardization. If anything, <laughs> screw wow. you, bingo. Well, well, I mean, more more than eleven has to take it, surely. Yeah. Uh, at least it rhymes, though. Jesus. Yeah. This is why bingo's fallen out of fashion. I, yeah. At least they bloody I, tried. I'm imagining Michael Whelan's face on the front of a newspaper, shaking his fists, and underneath, the, "Screw you, bingo!" <laughs> Man yells at cloud. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we are, of course, here to chat about board games and tabletop RPGs and all sorts of tabletop stuff. But you <laughs> may recognize, <laughs> yes, Bingo, I guess, is a tabletop it's game. It's a tabletop game. It is. Let's, let's not it's get a, into it's, this it's again. On, if anything, it's a LARP. We can't become the Bingo <laughs> cast. Um, you may recognize, well, it, it may or may not be a familiar face to you if you've been browsing the Dicebreaker website the last few weeks. We are very honored to be joined by Chase Carter this week. Hello, Chase. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks Hi, for Chase. Here. Hey, Hi. howdy. I was really uh, trying to think about how Southern I wanted to go with my intro since uh, I think this is the first American you've had on the cast. Yeah, uh, you, didn't, yeah. you didn't say y'all, which is the only <laughs> thing that English people know about Southern America. Right? Howdy, y'all. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chase has been educating me in the ways of Southern American living, mm-hmm. uh, so I like to think that that you know I've done my homework for yeah, today's episode. Me is now an honorary <laughs> bell. <laughs> what? Uh, what homework, Mian? I'm so confused. I mean, it's eating exclusively uh, barbecue food, <laughs> preparing for her debutante. Yeah, it's, it's mostly just Chase and I talking about. The, the differences between like pumpkin pie and treacle tart mm-hmm. and also <laughs> getting <laughs> talking about characters we fancy in the chat in the chat there is lots of that mm-hmm. just sits there i'm not sure that's a southern american thing but no no it's just something we like to do right thirst yeah. is universal <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, like I say, if you've uh, I don't have to tension out of that, so I'm you, just gonna also, you never like, will, Matt. No, no, sometimes you just got off <laughs> moving on. Um, yes, you may recognize Chase from the, the website where he's been breaking some fantastic stories over the last few weeks. Uh, so if you haven't read those, go and check them out. Uh, but like I say, we're very, very happy for you to be here today. And I'm gonna go straight over to you. Oh, right, I didn't introduce everyone else, you know, Lolies, me, and Wills. They're we're here, wow. yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> We've got an exciting new person now. Yeah, Dad doesn't like us anymore. (laughs) (laughs) We know who the favourite child is now. (laughs) I mean, when you open on bingo and every week tries to go into 15 minutes and bingo discussion, sometimes you just got to, you know, the equivalent of just facing the road and driving while the kids squabble in the back. Mm -hmm. Um, Are we there yet, Magic? (laughs) I don't think we'll ever be there, Will. Will's just definitely putting like a whoopee cushion underneath Lowly's as we speak, Mm. for sure. 
But uh, yes, we'll we'll throw straight over to you, Chase, as you're the uh, the new face on the podcast this week. What have you been playing this week? Ooh, uh, so I have uh, reintroduced myself to an old friendship, uh, someone I used to spend a lot of time with in college, and uh, together we didn't make a lot of really great decisions. I'm of course talking about Magic: The Gathering. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. So uh, I've been playing in Arena. I started that up, and I have sort of set myself the goal of seeing how far I could get in Arena without spending a single American dollar, one bent penny into that machine. And so far, it's going all right uh, with the like daily missions and stuff like that. I've been sort of reintroducing myself to the game. I've played a lot in college. And then, of course, that set me off to go into my closet and pull out the... Mm, 2,400 or so cards that I have shoved back into a part of my closet and i've begun pulling those out and uh checking out what i have sort of snuggled away into uh, cardboard boxes um not a lot of playing yeah listen um a lot of a lot of college money (laughs) went into that collection um i I did say bad decisions The American taxpayers listening to this are furious. <laughs> my, yeah, my parents, if you're listening, uh, I absolutely just spent it on groceries and good, wholesome times. That's it. <laughs> um, the magic. The magic wow. is a thing of the past. Well, maybe until now. Yeah, until now. I had locked it away and then on my own volition broke the seals and pulled them back out. Um, my partner and I used to play quite a bit, and uh, so I'm going through, and I'm not doing a whole lot of playing. I am doing a whole lot of alphabetizing of that collection, um, just to sort of like reintroduce to myself to what's all in there. Um, but also, I've done a little bit of deck building. Like, there's some commander decks that I'm refreshing up, um, a couple of like standard decks that we just use to like, you know, faff around and do a, some like. 1v1 stuff, but uh, yeah, I think in the coming weeks, I'll probably dip more back into it. Again, I'm going to see if I can enjoy my 2,000 cards without spending more money on them, but that's going to be a losing proposition. Yeah. It's quite therapeutic going through the whole collection and and putting it all in order and reminiscing about all of the money you spent on them. <laughs> yeah, just big fat tears as I look at all of that cardboard that's worth <laughs> not very much. Uh, it is good. I mean, I, if you if you are the sort of person who would want to go through and alphabetize and catalog their collection, it's good podcast fuel, that's for sure. Mm. <laughs> not to listen to, presumably. It's not a podcast while you quietly sort your cards, just the gentle shuffling of cards. cards 736. ASMR as you put another one in a sleeve. More than 11, it's card 447. (laughs) 37. Oh, come on, Will. Because it works for any number, ladies. (laughs) That's true. true. I, I do feel like this is the main thing that is a barrier to magic for me is the the fear of if you want to keep up to date with it at some point you just amass so many cards mm-hmm. and so it's it's a hobby kind of to the side of the hobby of actually playing you have to have a secondary hobby of you know curating and collecting and building decks which mm. you know i guess p- people enjoy you know that that is a big part of magic but that's the the thing i've always struggled with where do your what does your collection run up to have interest Mm, oh, money, money wise, or or in terms of sets? Uh, oh, I think the last set that I really dipped into. Oh, so we have sort of a smattering of cards from like the last three or four years because for Christmas we used to just shove three or four boosters into uh, our stockings, and then 
whether we were playing or not, we just love the uh, the joy of cracking open one of those packs. And so we just have a smattering of cards from the last three or four oh, years yeah. that way. The last <laughs> set that I like seriously collected was, I believe, uh, the last return to Zendikar. Not this next one. This is like the third time they've come back to that world, but the second time they came back. Uh, okay, like 2012, I think? Uh, like maybe, maybe 13, that. yeah. <gasps> there. Oh, Lonies, what's going on? I've just realized I was sent some Magic the Gathering cards uh, recently, and I don't know what to do with them, so maybe you can help me, Chase. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this yeah. is what we're doing now. Hold each one <laughs> up to the, the camera. <laughs> but. Yeah. I thought I could show them, but I don't know where I put them. <laughs> oh, well. Well, you know, we can imagine what they might be like. The the packet is green. <laughs> Hmm. She's paint a word, paint a word picture, Lonely. Green, and there, I think it's I think it is Zendikar. That's what made me think because you said it, and I was like, oh, I think that's what I have. Yeah, that's the oh. last standard it, set they have right now. If it's Zendikar Rising, do they have a big plastic statue of uh, <laughs> one of the characters in the middle of the table that you put cards around? That's the Rising series, right? There's a little, oh, no. there's a neat little joke from my Rising board game series fans yeah, out there in the chat. Dark Side Rising, your <laughs> reference, or um, the Avengers one as well. But they did yeah. have um, the statue of Chandra, which was yeah, the enormous friend. one, the really yeah. I can't I can't Life remember size. how much oh, it was. Yeah. It was like it was thousands of of dollars. Basically. I believe it was uh, in in British pounds. Uh, too much money. <laughs> oh, well, um, yeah, that you could get that, I guess, and then play magic around that if you mm -hmm. if you wanted. And that's I'm, so, I'm, so glad, I'm so glad Wheels knows the exchange rate. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Chase, so you mentioned Commander. Is that kind of like the format you're leaning forward at the moment? Yeah, and as you were saying. That it's sort of the answer if you've never like dipped into Commander. It's the answer to the to the problem of like having old cards, and you're like, well, this is kind of useless because Standard is a very limited format, and Modern exists sort of to answer that question as well. Uh, but Commander was specifically started from a group of players, like a community who wanted to use old cards that were just sitting in boxes, especially if you only had one or two of each one, and not like a full playset, which standard decks you need you can use up to four of each card so commander is that it's just a hundred of your like favorite cards all thrown together into a loosely thematic deck and then you play from there and it's just a good way to celebrate those old cards that don't really have much use anymore so yes to answer your question i am pulling out rares and legendary creatures and starting to like tinker around with some ideas on commander decks nice. i did like the idea of like because i'm a idiot so like deck building <laughs> in, uh, the, okay, process of building a, the process of building a good deck i think is probably beyond me but a thematic one i could probably do you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's yeah. always the way i lean too is i don't i don't want the 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 whatever the meta is i want a neat engine that does a kind of a cool trick and then rumples and falls and loses but up until that point it was mighty interesting yeah, they'll remember me though. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a cool thing I thought about Jumpstart, which came out a couple of months ago now. Is it it lent into that thematic side where it's like you just you either pick a play style because the boosters are themed around them, or they're themed around dogs or pirates or oh, whatever. that's definitely you just, my type. Yeah. yeah, you just slam two together and you've got a deck ready to roll. So yeah, very valid. Mm. Yeah, uh, I used to play Hearthstone 
which is like one of my closest experiences to anything like magic apart from keyforge but obviously you don't make decks in keyforge and uh, i wasn't very good at hearthstone mostly because my decks were almost entirely created around just being able to put cards that i like the art of in <laughs> so like dr boom was great we all love dr boom mm -hmm. if you know if you yes. know who that is Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> and just any anything that looked like a goblin or a dog or anything like that <laughs> and my friend was like have you made these decks yourself and i was like oh yeah yeah i did and they were like do you know what you're doing i was like well you know i'm just sort of going with with my gut, I guess. Whether they had to ask whether or not you made them. It's <laughs> just full of goblins. That <laughs> oh no, no, none of it synced together. I didn't know how to do that. I was just like, oh no, this is this is good stuff. Um, luckily enough, in that game, you can't really chat the opponent because otherwise, I don't know what my opponents would have said. <laughs> they would have thanked you for the easy win. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, hey, I provide a service. <laughs> <laughs> An experience. Built this deck for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> All right. Uh, have you been playing anything else, Chase? Uh, yeah, I just recently started um, Rangers of Shadow Deep, um, which is a um, like a solo, or it can be collaborative, uh, like miniatures RPG from Joseph A. McCullough, the guy who did... Um, uh, Frostgrave and Ar ah. Archipelago, and I think a couple other games that I can't remember. Um, was the guy behind Frostgrave the guy behind Archipelago? I did not know that. Uh, unless I am remembering or misspeaking, I believe it is. Yeah, uh, very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's definitely another game in that style where um, the the main focus is on like telling a story around like miniatures. So it isn't wargaming per se. Um, and it isn't a tabletop RPG per se. It exists in this sort of like, you know, the liminal space between. So uh, I'm playing it solo, uh, and I have only just dipped into it. I'm playing the deluxe version, which has some like extra scenarios and stuff added in. But you create a ranger in this world where the shadow deep, two words, proper nouns there, have started to encroach on the last kingdom of people. And it's it's uh, it exists in this sort of like dark low fantasy, something like the first books in Lord of the Rings before you start getting a lot of wizards and Saruman BS and all that sort of stuff. But uh, so your ranger has basically a couple of magic spells that you can tap into, but then beyond that, a bow or a sword, some rope, and just plain good luck. And you have to sort of survive. And it, the books specifically set you up as like this is a losing war. The only thing you are doing are buying humanity a couple of last days to maybe come up with a last-ditch solution. So obviously it has this very dark, very sort of like desperate uh, uh, sort of feel to it. Um, and it's based on like a D20 system. You just use two D20s to do skill checks and stuff like that. And it has all the wargaming like measurement, like measure your moves, check line of sight, build terrain. I'm just using like paper cutouts and, uh, well, the uh, the deck holders for my magic cards at the moment. Um <laughs> Uh, so, but it's a lot of fun. I'm in a small village that's overrun with zombies. I've got my dog Inkblot, uh, and a Aww. and a which is the the fantasy version of naming your dog Spot, um, <laughs> <laughs> as well as a man at arms, sort of like as my two companions. That's one of the systems it puts in there to help with like solo plays. You can have these companions, and it's sort of like if you played like D and D or another RPG, and you have like uh, hirelings. It's a lot. It's a, very similar to that. 
And so you go through and you basically just like try your best to avoid combat, find treasure, find these clues to whatever mystery's going on. Uh, combat can be very rough, I found out. So unless you are specifically building your ranger to be someone who like steps up and starts swiping that sword immediately, your best bet is to sneak around, pick your shots carefully, and really try to learn the terrain. So it's a it's kind of a cool melding of like RPG stats with wargaming, like physical, the joy of moving small pieces of plastic around a physical space. Mm. Nice. Sweet. Mm. And there's, there's a dog in it, so... <laughs> I put a dog in it, yes. So I'm invested. <laughs> we bring me in on for the, the really nitty-gritty sort yeah, of yeah, like, yeah. 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 Oh, it's good. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a list of things I like. I know dogs is one of them. <laughs> dogs good, goblins good, capitalism bad. That's oh, yeah. it. End podcast, yeah. goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to lolies what have you been playing this week hi <laughs> <laughs> you you've come back to the cbbc kids hour <laughs> with, with lolies <laughs> the way you said that was like hi kids i'm really cool <laughs> I can't believe you're shocked that somebody saw you as a kid's presenter, Lolis. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't even said anything. <laughs> wow. Wow. The shade that's being thrown my way right now. No shade. <laughs> it's a fine, fine profession. So, as, we know, as we all know in this hobby, shaders make look good water, so it's fine. Huh. Now I'm actually considering a new career. Okay. Anyway, well. um, <laughs> you can blame Alex Mian. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fine, I'm used to it. <laughs> well, as we all know, Mr. Bobby was a children's entertainment program. Mm. And he is think your think hero. About think oh, about God. it. Oh, God. Uh... Yeah, you have to defeat oh, Bobby in one-on-one combat to take yeah, on the title. You do. <laughs> oh, God, I'd love to see that. <laughs> I feel like he's very puncture-prone. <laughs> I... No, I think... Um, we are kindred spirits. I would never do that to Mr. Blobby. I mean, he'd probably do that to you, knowing Mr. Blobby. Yeah. Mm. He does just attack indiscriminately. <laughs> it's a disco vibe. <laughs> Eventually it's going to eat you. <laughs> anyway, do you remember when this podcast was about board games? No. <laughs> um, well, I've been playing Quinto. Which oh, is one of my... there we are. yeah, Wheels knows Quinto. Because <laughs> you strap me to an airplane chair and want me to play it for six hours. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, you loved it. <laughs> no, you I do like Quinto. Every Quinto. minute of it. Quinto is very good. Yeah. Quinto. Although I did wish you had brought more than one game. <laughs> yeah. J- Johnny sat there and he's like, go, go and play. Go and play with your brother. Well, Johnny, 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 Johnny needs to sleep. Johnny would ask us where we were sat, and then go to the airplane staff and ask to be seated as far away from us as possible. It was really quite rude, but um, and then and then it was really funny because then we'd uh, Wheels and I would get drunk and we'd be like Psst, across the whole plane, yeah. and Johnny would just like turn o- like turn away from his book and just like. Just as, if he, as if he thought any amount of distance would save him like mm. it, was, it was a foolish effort but yeah Quinto's really good I like Quinto, Quinto is my favourite role and write um, so much so that I've gotten through the, the like pad of paper that comes with the game and I've had to go and print some more um, yeah and I just taught it to a friend and uh, they enjoyed it so Quinto 
top of the list. Love Letter, I've been saying that for the last hundred podcasts. I've just been playing Love Letter nonstop, to be honest. Just, I'm in my Love Letter phase at the moment, so that'll last for another while, I think. More than 11, Love Letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and this one will excite uh, Wheels. I haven't been playing this, but I, I bought a game at the weekend that is long overdue to be added to my collection. A game that I really love, and I know I'm going to play a lot. It's Azul. <gasps> I love Azul. I know. Azul is fantastic. Mm. I love Azul too. It's still shrink wrapped as well. I know. Yeah. I know. It's because I like. I never really open them until I am ready to play, and I haven't been ready to play because I've been so busy playing Love Letter. Yeah. One, <laughs> one thing that I said in my like video on Azul is like, even if you don't play it that much, it's so pretty. Just the box, mm -hmm. like, just shove it on your shelf. It just looks so good. I was stood. I went to Eclectic Games in Reading at the weekend, and I was stood in and i had three games in my hand and i was like which one do i buy because two of them I, I really like and one of them i was like maybe uh i played it before so the three options i had was azul uh which was about 40 pounds um uh tiny towns which is the same price uh, I like tiny towns. um yeah i've played it a couple of times and i liked that it was one to six players but i was like i don't know if it'll play if it'll get played as much as azul even with that mm -hmm. um and the third option was Halapagus, which um, is a game which plays three to 12 players. So it's really good in that way, like for big groups. Um, it's a game where it's cooperative. All of you are working together to build a raft to get off a desert island. But eventually, uh, not all of you can, like you can't make enough rafts for all of you and not all of you can get on the raft. So you have to choose people to like, leave behind and not come with you this is really mean yeah, uh, it's a classic. classic game where you turn that to each other that sounds like a lowly game yeah that sounds like a lowly <laughs> game am I right like <laughs> I remember like playing it and being like oh it's a cooperative game and then it was like came to that point where we had to like shoot people and be like yeah and we all had to vote on who couldn't get on the raft and it's like it's really horrible but it's just so my kind of game the listeners <laughs> slash watchers slash readers of Dicebreaker must really fear for the the dynamic that we have as a working team with your disdain for cooperative experiences to be honest but yeah tabletop gaming probably best place for it lonely just get all those feelings out there yeah. so then you can not do that yeah. what happens on the tabletops <laughs> one of my favorite games is Gloomhaven, though, and that's a cooperative game. It's not all cooperative games. It's just that oh, it's I prefer. Though, isn't it? I bet you go around stealing everyone's loot, don't you? I actually don't. I have a friend who plays as the scoundrel, and they go around picking up all the loot, and I play as um, the Inex, the Inex, the brute. Um, so I'm the one who charges ahead and kills everything and gets all the like attacks and stuff. So like, I get really annoyed when she's just like. Yeah, I'm just gonna do some looting, and I'm like, I'm the one who killed all these, like, and I'm not getting anything. Um, I must protest though, I remember very distinctly having a conversation with you and Mr. Whelan about how much you hated co optative games. Uh, in fact, I think we've had this conversation more than once, so yeah. but maybe you're discovering a, a new side to yourself. No, I hate you didn't realize was there. Okay, I am. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy them sometimes. It's not like I enjoy. I think I when somebody says, "Oh, this is cooperative," my first instinct is to go. Sorry, we'll really enjoy that bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just me dying. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's yeah. It's not. It's definitely not my favorite thing to do because I 
I prefer for somebody to win. And I think I think my problem with cooperative games, and I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, is that um, is the table captain side of things. And mm. I've actually learned because uh, I have been playing some um, some Forbidden Island actually in in recent weeks uh, with a friend who, when we were playing competitively he was such an ass <laughs> that I was like, I can't do this. So I was like, let's play something cooperative because I can't play with you. You're such, you're so annoying. Um, that, yeah. Um, and I enjoyed that, but I actually learned that I was being the table captain in some of those games. Um, yeah, I know. Oh I no. Know. I've become what I loathe the most. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so Azula's good. <laughs> as well as like really savage as well it is mm. it's very easy to be savage as well like you can just be like oh you want that do you I 100% do that. I'm like, I'll take these tiles just because I know you want them. Yeah. I don't even want them, but I know you want them. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah right. that's, that's what's up with me this week. Nice. All right. Wheels. What have you been playing? Uh, I've only been playing one game, but it is a very good game, and it was previously spoken about by Lolis here. I've been playing Jaws of the Lion, mm-hmm. which is the new uh, sort of introductory box for Gloomhaven, which is my first Gloomhaven box. I've not played Gloomhaven apart from like a demo or two uh, with the team. Uh, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm still in that sort of tutorial part where it's like we haven't really gotten everything out. You know, like I, I haven't played with the elements and stuff like that yet. Um, but it's really nice, uh, and I've learned that my partner is very good at putting down the stickers perfectly, which is very. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, no, it's really good. So I've, yeah, I've been playing it with my partner. Um, it was uh, a gift from the company, um, which uh, I'm sure Matt will have something to say about as well. Um, but we, <laughs> as the company, as... <laughs> representative of the company, Matt Jarvis. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm afraid I am uh, contractually obliged to tell you that I'm biased towards Dicebreaker as an organisation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been really good. Uh, I've been playing as the Red Guard, um, which is I don't know what the name of them are in the official law, but they're basically like a tiefling kind of like uh, you know human esque person with horns and a tail. Um, but they have like a sort of uh, like a, a sickle on a chain. So they can attack people from far away and then drag them forward. Oh, oh that's pretty good. So you, you can you can go get over here every time you play a card, <laughs> which is very fun. Um, and then my partner has been playing as Hatchet, uh, or the Hatchet rubber, which is an Inox, but like ranged and looty, which is quite cool. So mm-hmm. it's like a bit of a against type class kind of thing for them. Um, oh. But yeah, it's really cool. It's really fun. I've been doing a lot of funny voices. Uh, reading out all of the the stuff in a northern accent it's been great (laughs) oh it's so good i've actually been playing the digital version of gloomhaven at the weekend as a gloomhaven i just i love it love it can't wait can't wait to get my teeth into jaws of the lion oh oh Ah! there it is Both Lolis and I, I was... also asked for a coffee of George. Yeah, and Ryan too. <laughs> I was going to say you, you two both have a box of your own, so yeah, well, yeah. our experiences on a later podcast. Yeah, I can't um, wait to dig into mine. One thing I didn't realize was that. Oh um, goodness! Oh, it's there another bit that anyone listening will not see, but Lolis yeah. has picked up her copy of Gloomhaven and George the Lion. Mine's nice. currently at my partner's house, so mm. I can't but um, well, yeah. One thing I didn't realize is George the Lion is actually the name of your party, rather than I assume. Yeah, yeah. I assume there would be some big boss called the Lion. 
Uh, no, no. You play as a mercenary party in this one, yeah, instead of the Gloomhaven, where you're kind of heroes of a sword. Yeah. The box says a fully, oh. a fully <laughs> cooperative fantasy campaign adventure. Right. So low, and then it says in brackets, so low leads. You better cut it out. <laughs> I'm kind of intrigued because. I, I really liked Gloomhaven, but the thing, and it might have been because I reviewed it, so I was playing it night after night, but the mm -hmm. thing that started to really wear me down was the setup time, where it's oh, like, yeah. you have to put aside half an hour to unpack all the stuff from the box, I, work out where it goes. I have to say one of my absolute favorite things, and this is going to sound really dweeby, but when you open the box, there's a little sheet and it says, hey, this may be like the, the most components you've ever seen in the box. Take some time, organize them using these specific steps. And pack oh. up and, and put out is going to be like super quick, and it is like it's really quick. Yeah. So you have like all your tokens are in a little tray that you literally just put in the box and take back out again. So like you don't need to like keep continuously like pick up all the tokens and sort them into bags and stuff. Every single monster is all organized into its own little bag with all the cards and the initiative token and all the standees and stuff. It's like genuinely, it's really cool. And then obviously you have your little box that you get in Gloomhaven to put all your character stuff in. I've just realized this doesn't have terrain, does it? Doesn't have no, like, and it's, it's no. also one of those um, book maps mm. with the love, right. where you get a ring bound book and you flip over the page and it's all there. Yeah. And it tells you how to set it up. It tells you, yeah, it's, see, in, it's really in, good. in Big Gloomhaven, you have got the terrain things that you have to lay out yeah. and you have to like, yeah, lay out all the big Gloomhaven. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds it sounds really good because the, the gameplay of Gloomhaven was always great. It was just kind of the, the bit you wanted to skip past that. Mm became a bit of a fuss so i'm Try the digital intrigued. version also it's so good there's no setup and the graphics are great and well there is there is an installation <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and and i don't think it has campaign yet i think well, it's, it's yeah it's coming it's, it's but it has multiplayer now oh, i played really? a multiplayer with my friend at the weekend yeah it was really good because we, we usually take gloomhaven together and we haven't been able to obviously for mm. almost a year now so, so it was really good being able to just play together again as separate characters well, there you go. That's All right. Fine. Literally just that. Nice. Alex Meehan, what have you been playing? Hi. Um... <laughs> I don't know if you meant to channel the Warriors, but... <laughs> wow. Meehan, oh, yeah, what definitely. have you been playing? <laughs> oh, yeah. I like to think I channel the Warriors in my everyday life. Um, okay. So, Matt will probably talk more about this, but we played Root again. Um, I don't want to talk about it this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's because he didn't win. Oh no, boo boo. Um, I mean, I mean, I didn't win either, so I don't know why I'm gloating. I'm not. Um, uh, I lost as well, but um, yeah, I played as the Vagabond. That was fun. I did better than I expected, considering it's not a faction that I've ever played before. And um, we again, it was quite close towards the end. Um, the person who won was playing as the cats, I believe. The marquee yeah, is the, the cat, marquee, yeah, I think. yeah. And you were the Woodland Alliance, mm -hmm. yeah. And we, well, I didn't gang up on you, I didn't attack you once, the others did. So, um... oh, Matt is so bitter. If you just <laughs> he's really bitter, I don't know why. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Um, it's fine, he says. Um, well, I've never seen Matt do a little grumpy face. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's quite cute. 
Um, it's like a yeah. six-year-old who's not actually mad, but is pretending to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we did that, and that was fun. We're definitely getting better at Root. Like, it's coming to the point where every game is so close, whoever's winning, you know. Sometimes there's parts where someone's clearly ahead or behind, but eventually, towards the end, everyone's sort of catching up, and it could be anyone's game, so... Um, I think that shows that we're doing it well. <laughs> I think uh, it's just a really great game, and I've really uh, fallen in love with it, to be honest. Um, I want my own physical copy, uh, maybe next year. Um, and I've been playing Set a Watch. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That's the uh, game I like. I know. <laughs> It's on the it's on the very small nest of got two games you like. That's it. Um, That's all two of them. <laughs> yeah, Gloomhaven and Set a Watch. Um, yeah, uh, I played it on TTS with my friend. Uh, there's a pretty good version on there uh, that's not scripted, but it's mostly set up for you. And there's at least a rule book there, which a lot of mods don't have. That baffles me. Um, yeah, so we got to the last location in the game. Uh, so it's a cooperative game where you roll dice and attack monsters, and any monsters you can't take out during a round go into what's called the horde, which you have to face uh, at the end of the game. And I was playing with someone who hadn't played before, so it took a little bit of time to explain the rules and everything, and I'm pretty sure we got quite a few things wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at, at one point I was like I don't care just let's just keep going because uh, to be honest even with those slight advantages um, we still lost at the last location um, because a summon turned up in our oh. we drew a summon <laughs> and also we kept having grave shifters which are awful because mm. um, they swap out with a, whatever is on the top of the graveyard deck, which always happened to be either a fell beast or an ember dragon, like something enormous. Um, and we, my friend, took the cleric, and no offense, to the cleric. <laughs> uh, yeah, no disrespect to the cleric, yeah, but I mean, maybe bugs for your day job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he eventually just became a. Um, uh, lumberjack. All he just did was pretty much just go to the camp and chop wood. Like... Did you play uh, two-player? Yeah, but with four <laughs> characters. Oh yeah, I was just going to say, because you should have had two characters each. No, time. we did have two characters okay, each. Just one of them happened to be the cleric. No, that would have been awful, no. Um, well, the even worse part about Set Watch, when you've got like one of the characters you don't like very much, everyone has to do an equal amount of <laughs> Like lumberjack duties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. you're like, oh god, he's got to come, has he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And his rolls are really bad as well. I don't know why. Like, I've been cursed, but um, it was really good fun. And to be honest, I've still not won that game, but I'm not really that fussed by it because um, it's one of those board games that I just go into expecting to lose. So I'm fine with this because, like, it's more about the journey. Rather than the winning, you know, That's the we... first game I ever played with Wheels and Johnny. It's it really is in a pub. Mm. Remember pubs? Oh. Um, I was just gonna say I um, I tend to find with co-op games like I get really kind of bored of them if I win them the first time I play. I have to get beaten by it like at least a couple of times before I'm like comfortable mm. winning it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you want to feel like it's a, enough of a challenge without yeah. just getting stomped. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, I think it's better with cooperative games because, like, it's you've not lost against a person. Yeah. You've just lost against the game. So, and a game can't gloat at you. So, yeah, Matt. <laughs> yeah, Matt. Um, we didn't win this week. No, but last I week. should have your sympathy, not your no. mockery. Last no, week, it's your medicine now. <laughs> no, last week you were sat on your your throne, mm. leering <laughs> down at me, and, and chuckling to yourself. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, set watch is great, and you know it worked fine on two TS. It's not the same experience. I really like the way that set watch is boxed. Mm. Um, it's mm. just really neat and nice, and yeah. um, the art's really great. I'd be interested to play with the expansion that came out. Yeah, I don't know if that's in people's hands yet or not, but I don't think it is. No, I think me and me and Johnny are both quite keen to give it a go, actually. So you might see uh, me, Johnny, and Lolis giving that a playthrough on the channel at some point, which would be very. If you Hopefully. haven't if you haven't seen our initial Let's Play of Set Watch, it's actually one of my favorite videos I've put together for the channel. Like, yeah. It's very, very funny. Mm. Um, because me and Johnny just slowly lose our minds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's that game that grinds you down. Like, the first few rounds, you're like, oh, no, this isn't too bad. We're, mm. we're doing well. And then, like, slowly it just gets worse and worse. <laughs> And like, it's a bit yeah. where I physically walk off camera. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! Yeah, um, yeah. no. By the end, um, by the last final location, we had t- ten creatures spawned in that location alone, with the horde on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend was like, "Is that it?" And I was like, "Yeah." She was like, "We're never gonna do this." <laughs> So yeah, it was really good. So that's what I've been playing. All right. Uh, as Mia mentioned, I played Root. I did not win. Uh, I played as the Alliance. I've not really played as the Alliance very much at all. Um, and I enjoyed them. But I think, particularly in that group, they've got kind of a reputation for being the surprise mm-hmm. winners. So, And I made the mistake of building my bases kind of to split the map between the Marquis de Cat and the Airy, um, which was probably not a smart choice. Um, but I came very close. I just I messed up in the last turn because I forgot that your pool of um, warriors and officers is the same pool. So I mm. made loads of officers thinking, oh, great, I'll get loads of turns to spread sympathy and win, and then didn't have any warriors. Yeah. And no, just, yeah, in this it, case, it Matt wasn't channeling the warriors. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was really close again. It was Everyone was w- within a turn, and I think that is... It's the the upside and the downside of Root is that when you have a group that's all kind of at the same level, it's kind of perfection because everyone balances everyone out. But as soon mm. as someone isn't as experienced with the game or you know is playing a faction that they don't know quite as well or just has a, a kind of rough time getting off the starting mark, it can throw things off in a little bit of a way um, mm. that allows someone else kind of a, a window to open it up. Mm. Uh, but yes, and I'm especially excited about Root because I was very kindly bought a copy of the river folk expansion yeah. and, and lizard cultists which i'm especially excited about um and i think it has the the mechanical marquee to play single player or to play oh, cop so yeah i am very excited to dig into that with the physical copy once mm. i can get four people around the table again <laughs> uh speaking of losing games i also played wingspan uh, i was kindly invited onto the free moves ahead <laughs> podcast uh, which will be out i think this week as well um, to chat about Wingspan, uh, which continues to be fantastic. 
um, but I played to kind of refresh my memory and I got beaten three times in a row by the AI. And every every time I was scoring more and I was like, oh, I've done it this time. Like, I've got so many birds, I'm laying so many eggs. I'm, you know, I'm full of... <laughs> I birds. imagine I'm laying so many eggs. <laughs> yeah. I was like, there's no, there's no way they've got me. And every time they scored higher than me by about one or two points. Um, but 10 points more than they scored the previous time. So I feel like... I'm hoping it was kind of dynamically adjusting to to beat me over that. Yeah, just a bit rubbish. <laughs> um, but yeah, Wingspan is still fantastic. The digital version uh, I was playing, so yeah, still... you get all those hot bird facts. I were on a podcast as well, talking about uh, video production in uh, tabletop, which was on a thousand eyes, uh, but it's eyes spelled as if you were a Scottish man saying yes. Uh... Run, run by a Scottish man, um, but yeah, it was very, very lovely um, and very good. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to mention it, but there it is now. <laughs> Let's move on to news. Whoa! Uh, coming hot out of the gate, uh, a little, a little exclusive for you. Exclusive. Uh, <laughs> we say in the biz. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we do say that in the biz. Yeah, there's Chase, a, I'm a member of the biz. Could you please confirm or deny that? <laughs> oh, oh, Chase. Oh, yep. Chase. Hello, hello, ah. hello. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, okay, right. no. As I was, as I was trying to say, yes, uh, I can. You can say exclusive. Uh, stateside, we say scoop. You can also yeah, uh, hot scoops. Yeah, yeah, hot scoops. Yeah, we love a bit of scoop. We're yeah. ice cream aficionados around here. Mm. I measure those in pockets. Uh, so yeah, we, there is a War of the Ring card game coming. Uh, so we managed to dig up mm-hmm. some first kind of gameplay info um, on it from Ares Games, which is the publisher of War of the Ring. Uh, if you don't play War of the Ring, it's basically all of the Lord of the Rings in a game. It is the most Lord of the Rings game going. Uh, because it covers the entire trilogy, one player, you can play with up to four players, but typically it's, it's better too. One player plays the um, free alliance or the free peoples and the fellowship. Um, and the other player plays the shadow. So Saruman and Sauron um, along with their respective forces. And it is, like I say, it is the war of the ring from the books. Um, so one person is trying to get the fellowship to Mount Doom and destroy the ring um, or win by wiping out Sauron and Saruman and the, uh, Saruman Saruman uh, player is just trying to take over Middle-earth. Uh, it plays very long, it's quite complex, but it's really immersive. It does a fantastic job of capturing the books. But they are making a card game of it um, that they have said will kind of follow the same general premise and that it will be the entire trilogy of books. But it will be shorter, it will be easier, and it's designed with more of a multiplayer feel. Because um, although the board game plays up to four, like I say, it typically is best with two. Um, but this apparently will be very deliberately designed for up to four people, potentially more. Um, so they're aiming for a release next year. Uh, and it's actually designed by Ian Brody, who designed Quartermaster General. Um, it started out life as a Quartermaster General game. I really like Quartermaster General. That, that was Lord of the Rings. Mm. Um, but they realized that was a little bit close to War of the Ring um, because mm-hmm. Quartermaster General was a card-driven board game. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead, they've made it a fully kind of card game rather than just a card-driven board game. Uh, but it sounds pretty promising. I mean, there are a lot of Lord of the Rings games out there. This is, you know, another one of those, but I think War of the Ring still stands up as m- probably the best Lord of the Rings game going. 
so I'm quite excited to see this because any chance to play more of War of the Ring without having to set aside like seven hours uh, would be would be a good thing. Mm. Mm, cool. I think you're the only one who's played it. Oh yeah. Oh. I, unfortunately, I don't have any opinions on War of the Ring. We <laughs> should play it sometime when we have seven hours to spare. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that sounds easy. <laughs> it, is, it is incredible, um, particularly if you love Lord of the Rings, because it is really faithful to those books. Um, you have event cards, and they've put out expansions that add the Eagles and add the Army of the Dead and so on. Does that have- does it have Tom Bombadil in it or not? Uh, I believe it does. It's based, <laughs> on the, it's based on the books rather than the films. Um, and it, yeah. is, it is very expansive, um, particularly with the expansions. Um, I don't think there's kind of a corner of that story or that world that they don't touch in some way. Um, so I believe Tom Bombadil would be in there to offer yeah. a very serious answer to your not particularly <laughs> serious question. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether Fatty's in there. Fatty being the, oh, star of the Lord of the Reiner Knizzi as the Lord of the Rings co-op game. <laughs> that is my favourite joke to tell people whenever we play that game. It's like, you can play all of the Cobbits from the film, including, and then just end with Fatty. <laughs> Nobody remembers Fatty. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure their mission from the films was not was not something that was that was yeah much people cried over Mm. uh the next story we have chase Mm -hmm. you wrote a story about the new game or games even from john harper of blades in the dark fame yeah john never miss harper uh as i like to call him because (laughs) man i just enjoy pretty much everything he's done um yeah so he has released uh yeah it's a it's a system there's the paragon system which is based off of the uh the rules from agon um, basically stripped down and uh, streamlined for uh, like as much hackability as possible. He specifically said in the piece, whenever I talked to him, that he wanted to make sure that folks could use these rules for any sort of setting. They weren't str- uh, just trapped to, say, like ancient Greece or Norse mythology or whatever sort of like pantheon they wanted to tack on. Um, so the things that, uh, that have survived into the Paragon system are things like there is a Pantheon-esque kind of thing. There are, um, sort of, uh, in, like, in Agon, you have the different, like, Greek gods that you can call upon for aid by invoking your connections to them. But in other games, you could have something, say, like, they could just be regular people. They could be different organizations. Uh, like, in his game, I believe they are, like, weird artifacts, um, the actual like agon system the pathos that eventually gives you uh agon uh that leaves like a a major mark on your character also exists just with different names so if you've played agon if you've seen that character sheet it will look very familiar just with all the filing numbers scraped off um uh, and he's 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 specifically hoping that like folks really take it to some weird places and as a sort of a a a proof of concept he's released uh chamber which is essentially the paragon system with uh, set in a like 60s Cold War sci-fi-esque world where you play as agents of Chamber, a government organization, a covert organization, trying to uh, hunt down and secure these relics uh, that are causing oddities a la uh, the video game Control or X-Files or uh, anything like that. Uh, and you'll be fighting off Russian operatives who are trying to do the same. 
So in Chamber, the, the, the gods, the things that you have connections to, are these relics that you can then uh, capture and then attune to so that you get some weird new abilities. Um, but yeah, that looks it looks really cool. I want to play it because it looks like it's going to play like Agon, just with suit and ties and, um, you know, Agent Mulder, Scully uh, shenanigans going on, which promises to be a good time, I think. Mm, yeah. yeah this, this is kind of precedent as well because this, this is obviously the... The similar system that you had for Forge in the Dark, which is the, mm-hmm. the system plays in the dark, is is uh, run on, and it's all kind of open source, really. Like it's um, it's obviously uh, you have to accredit the the original system and, and the designer and stuff, but right. you can you can make your own games and sell them under the Forge in the Dark license. Um, and although I think they ask you to you know to be upfront about the fact that you're using Forge in the Dark, it's not necessarily like legally prohibited to not say that and stuff. So like he's been quite um he's had quite an open door policy on on people just sort of using the system he's put out to, to make cool things which i think is a really nice um way of developing a good community around tabletop design to be honest of just being like hey like i had this idea uh and i put it to this system but maybe you've got a better idea for it or that so it seems to be like a sort of running uh philosophy through his games which is quite cool hmm. i think agon as well is maybe one of my favorite systems of the last few years it's just yeah. really it's much like blazing that it's really slick but it has mm. just this fantastic idea of you stepping forward to basically offer yourself up to a challenge mm. and i think it works really nicely with the kind of greek heroic theme yeah. where it's like i will take on this task <laughs> um, and you present yourself like that but i'm excited to see it come to other kind of settings and themes because i think it's just a it's such a lovely way of handling kind of uh test resolution in an rpg yeah, I, I haven't I haven't had a chance to read through the rules yet, but I imagine that there's actually kind of a similar vibe to the challenges where like because in Aegon you you literally sort of like present yourself mm-hmm. before you do it. Like I am Aristides the Lionhearted, scion of blah blah blah, and I'm gonna do this. Whereas like if you are a government official, you can be like, Hello ma'am, I'm Agent XYZ and I'm from the Institute of XYZ and I'm here to do this, you know, so it's sort of a similar vibe actually. That's from my peek through. That's actually how it kind of works. It's a much more sort of like uh, matter of fact, men in black sort of tone. You drop your badge yeah. and say like, "I'm Agent Taggart with the so and so agency, and we have something on your property, and we need to take a look, ma'am." Um, hmm. And that's how you, you know, use your skills and start rolling dice by rolling up on a place and whipping out your badge, which is quite neat. I like. It's very cool, mm. and also um, also co-designed by Sean Nitner. We should point out as well. Oh yes, yeah. Because I think I think he gets uh, side sidelined a lot when when people talk about it. Because John Harper is a very very big name. But, um, he is uh, he was the co designer on on Aegon and therefore mm. the character. Yeah, I've not played Aegon. I play Blaze in the Dark. I like Blaze in the Dark. I like X Files. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a certified bisexual, having X Files mixed <laughs> with Blaze in the Dark. Yeah, I don't see the problem for this. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Certified? I haven't yeah. got in the post. Yeah. You... Oh, damn it. <laughs> you got to be on that stuff, mate. Come on. <laughs> chop, chop. All right. Um, in more, well, kind of RPG adjacent news, uh, Chase, you also wrote this one about a spinoff of Kids on Brooms. Yeah. Um, it's called uh, Duel of the Wands. Um, it is a game set in the Kids on Brooms universe i guess um which is i think this is the first time they've built out that universe but kids on brooms is itself a 
I don't know if we use the term hack here, but like it, it is built on um, kids on bikes, but set in a um, a magical school for children. Which is like, yeah, it's yeah, it's a magical school for children. Which is the first time anyone's done that of note. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, just a totally new concept. Uh, but so, Duel of the Wands is a way for players to. Uh, it is a like competitive card game, so that you build a like a sort of like dueling a magic duel where you're just like flinging spells at each other, uh, in, a, in a in a very structured environment, so no kids get hurt. Um, but you can play it separately just on its own as like a sort of like uh, competitive one-on-one game, or you can build it into your running Kids on Brooms RPG as a way to, say, uh, characterize a conflict or, um, you know, come to some sort of agreement to play out these sort of things that might pop up in the RPG. Um, yeah, and I, I can't remember. I'm reading back reading through the story. The, the details on it are, as of yet, a little vague. It's going to be coming out early next year. Um, but I think you can pretty much surmise what it's going to be when you think about duels with wands in a uh, RPG like Kids on Brooms. It's kind of interesting. I think like off the back of Queens uh, based on Quest, which I think is like a maybe less of a big name. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not that Kids on Bikes is huge, but I think it's, it's found its kind of mark. But to see RPGs spinning out into these games rather than just, you know, like a well-known TV license or film license, it's interesting to see people poke out at these settings and I would presume the aim is to get more people playing the RPG and kind of invested in that world. Cause there was mm-hmm. the, there's the kids on bikes board game, the Snally, Snally Gaster situation. Yes. Isn't the one. Mm-hmm. So they seem to be going kind of all in on this. Well, if we can't get them in on the RPG, we'll get them in on the board game or the card game. Kind of the games workshop process, isn't it? Of the sort mm. of like, we're going to have a lot of like adjacent products that will just sort of funnel you into the main thing that we want you to sort of look into. Kind of, but I really love the idea that um, that the system isn't just sort of like you know using the same name and is kind of separate, but it's also like something that you can sort of factor into the game itself, which I think is a really neat idea. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. I'm a big proponent of using other systems to sort of temper your own RPG experience. If you're playing a yeah. longer campaign, I think it's a... So you don't try to, like, shoehorn uh, the system into maybe a scenario where it wasn't exactly built for... If you're playing a crunchy system and you get into a real role-play situation, I feel like more people should be comfortable uh, dipping into other smaller systems that maybe lend themselves better to that sort of role-play experience. Uh, I think it makes the whole thing just a lot more rich and enjoyable. For sure. Uh, one more from you, Chase. Uh, on a on a very different kind of note, uh, tell us about Good Puppers. Oh, Good Puppers. Uh, so Good Puppers is a card-building game. It's very wholesome, has a lot of beautiful art of uh, great dogs. Um, what? What? Yeah, yeah. This me and this <laughs> is for you. Good puppers, man. <laughs> uh-huh. um, it had an ongoing Kickstarter, which ended pretty recently, and they were they were in the like production phase and getting it shipped out when the uh, the ship filled with nineteen hundred shipping containers ran into a storm in the Pacific Ocean and was heavily damaged by that storm, uh, according to uh, a story. Uh, from a paper called the Lodestar, they lost a, a, anywhere between 15% to 25% of the 1,900 containers on this vessel, which is just a bananas amount of these gigantic metal vessels, uh, shipping containers that just fell into the ocean or were otherwise damaged or destroyed uh, in this storm. And oh, that, 
Those fish are going to be playing so much good puppers. <laughs> yeah, you can just imagine like a uh, in the uh, the the movie version of this story, like just a shot beneath the ocean with like the the light rays over the top of the water and the good puppers cars just slowly, slowly drifting down to the bottom of the sea. Um, the publisher Asmodee um, has said that. Oh, excuse me, not Asmodee, Asmadi. ASMADI has said that like they're not quite sure how much if any of their product has been damaged the ship is still I believe it's going to take two weeks to uh, reroute to Japan so they could actually check through everything so it's going to be a little bit longer before uh, this poor person even knows how much of their stock they lost. Uh, which is a shame um especially and i mean not just for them but for anybody else but just imagining a bunch of board games that are already on a weird schedule because of covid for like production and shipping and then to have this happen in the middle of it is tragic it must be agonizing to just have to wait as well for so long just to figure Mm -hmm. out whether or not you need to do an entire print run again Mm -hmm. maritime insurance is a thing though so Mm -hmm. yeah they they seem to take it with quite good humor which i mean fair (laughs) play to them because it's 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 devastating whichever way you want to cut it you know no matter kind of how much you lose personally mm. it's just a, a terrible thing to happen mm. but they they were kind of you know i think they they kind of took it in good grace this this essentially act of god um <laughs> yeah. which, you know, what, what can you do about it at some point but the idea of god pointing down at the shipping <laughs> containers going no these dogs <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> were not good enough <laughs> it does remind me of the um the sketch with the uh the front fell off a lot <laughs> which i think is a is a good way of pushing it rather than just being like oh god oh god oh god oh god for your mm. press release mm-hmm. i think it, it's one of those things as well because they they communicated it through the kickstarter campaign and I think kickstarter has been one of those lovely things where people have a much better idea of exactly what goes into to making mm. a game and getting to people mm-hmm. um and you know when things are delayed or things are pushed back it can be it can be due to production stuff or it can just be to something like this when you're dealing with physical you know physical games there's no way around it really it's it's mm-hmm. slow and then to have it have something like this happen is just yeah it's gutting for everyone involved but i think luckily no no one was harmed yeah, according, so, according to the story, I don't think anybody on board was harmed. Um, yeah, and I tr- I trawled through the comments on the Kickstarter, and I think I saw nothing but sympathy and some good humor uh, uh, reacting to the post. So yeah, I, as you said, Matt, I think that transparency allows people to maybe not get as angry whenever there are delays or any irritation, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm. Well, if any of those shipping containers did sink to the bottom, one crab has definitely been squashed. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I exactly, about that. One crab. <laughs> exactly a single crab <laughs> there is although you know sea pollution not good uh no, you know, no one can do not. anything about this it is there is something amusing in the idea that over the next coming weeks months years people might just be wandering along a beach and find just a picture of a happy looking puppy like receiving a, no- a message in a bottle, but it's just uh... we must go and save this puppy. Nah, <laughs> uh, good luck to him. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, um, so, yeah. During a hard year to have to have something like this just on top of it, just mm. 
Um, and when publishers operate on kind of small margins anyway, which is why Kickstarter mm. is so big. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I but, very much hope they have insurance, but it seems like they were taking it well enough to do. Yeah, to be the case. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully it works out as best it can do in the in the situation. Um, mm -hmm. uh, one more from you, Chase. Absolutely knocking them out uh, this week. Busy. Uh, this smart wargaming table. Yeah. Um, this is just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't get into it so much in the story, but I, I, I can editorialize here. I don't think this is a good idea, um, but not for the re like the main reason. Uh, so this is a table from a company called Valkrix Gaming. Uh, it's a UK company. Um, I'm sorry. I am too ignorant to know anything more specific than that. Um, yeah, you can look it up. Uh, yeah, Valkrix Gaming, they have put up this... Uh, intelligent gaming table which like takes the crunchiness out of wargaming so like all the stats in like the war scrolls you would have in warhammer or anything like that and you can enter them in so basically all of your mental focus is on the actual sort of like thematic battle going on the moving and positioning of your uh of your miniatures and all that sort of stuff and then they use like a lights like a digital like layer underneath the surface of the table uh, in order to convey information such as spell effects, uh, ranges, uh, hidden figures, and whenever two armies meet together, and they it's a, it's a hexagonal table that's in a hex sort of pattern. Um, and so you move along hexes, and whenever two enemies meet, there'll be these green and red lights that flash that indicate battle, and then the loser is like flashed red, and it's everything up to like a trapdoor opening beneath them, and as they sort of like Wilhelm scream down into the, into the darkness. <laughs> yeah, permanently lose your miniatures. They get sent down to the furnace yeah melted. hit the incinerator um mm. but it, it, it's it's a really really neat idea and uh, i think i saw a few people talking about on twitter that really connected with the idea of if you are a wargaming player who doesn't like the maths part of it um then this might be a really cool solution unfortunately it is not a commercial product this is not something you can buy it is something that they are like sort of they're they're raising funds they're looking for investors and stuff like that to open a gaming center a physical gaming center where you can come and rent out these tables to play um they can be like pushed together to create surfaces up to i think they said 500 square feet which is just an absolutely banana size i don't know what <laughs> I, have, have any of you seen a wargaming on that scale that would need to access 500 square feet I believe that's a standard game of Warhammer 40. <laughs> but uh, so you can do this, and they're they're really hoping to like sort of propagate these centers uh, all around the UK, and then also in the US. I saw them making calls for it, but it, it it is a table that you cannot buy for your home, but you have to go into a physical brick and mortar location and play with other people. Which I'm sorry, I have to say, you should not do right now. Uh, and they're hoping to open up in like March of next year, which is optimistic <laughs> to say the least. I think I'll put it lightly. That is very optimistic. Um, but in the future, an undetermined amount of time later, when it is safe to go outside, this seems like a neat idea if you want to war game, but hate that method, or you don't have a table large enough to play on. This could be a cool thing. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I'm quite I'm looking at the pictures of it as well. I mean, I presume these are prototypes. Yeah, and you you see the white surfaces. the 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 digital layer layer can play uh, or it can like paste some sort of like uh, like ground terrain. So like you can right. make it like a snowy scape or muddy or something like that. But yeah, 
I mean, one one thing that jumps out to me immediately is it seems to be very hex based, which mm-hmm. no miniatures game is, right? I don't know. <laughs> I guess they're just it's a way of taking the rulers out. Mm. It's because if you had it gridded, it would be too like square gridded. It would be too yeah. limited in terms of movement. But rulers is a bit too free form, and then you get into kind of the the nitty gritty. So I guess that's maybe the best kind of middle ground. But I'm I kind of with you. It's like in in concept, all of these digital tables sound mm. appealing, like to take the thing. But as soon as you see them in action, it's like, well, yeah, for for the money and for the the amount they actually do, like at some point, just make us a, a better set of rules, right? Like, yeah, that's the other thing, right? It's just like you know, it's it's more to the fault of the game if if there's so much maths that it it physically pushes people away, you know, and and also just the um. Just the fact that these are physically tied to locations means that it's a lot less accessible for for the audience to grow. And I don't know if this is like is the point that this is usable in any system, or are they like using a system of their own to to work with this? They have developed their own system. It's called Days of the Valkyries. It's a dark fantasy sort of system. It's hex based, and uh, they're selling their own line of of miniatures to go along with it. Uh, one of the things they advertise is that if if you play their game, they're going to have like seasons or something. And so there's like a, a reader at the bottom of the figure that will track like season stats and these miniatures will grow in power and uh, gain abilities if you as you win or lose battles, which is a neat thing. But that again, that is not something that they're offering for all systems, just their proprietary yeah. systems. Aww. Which then also raises the point of like if you if you want to get into Days of the Valkyries, you heard it's good. It's like cool. Do you have one of these places near you? Because uh otherwise, why would you? You know. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over there. I mean, as someone who's not very knowledgeable in the miniatures department, (laughs) um, uh, I imagine a lot of people who already play some of the more complicated uh, options like Warhammer 40k, etc. Uh, I imagine a lot of the time they play those because they're complicated uh, and they've already got their head around it, whereas there are options out there that are that are a bit more lighter on the maths that are there for the people who don't like that sort of thing. So it kind of feels like if you're only supporting the big system as well as your own one, which is entirely new, doesn't have a fan base yet, mm. I kind of feel like the whole purpose of that is a bit moot. Yeah. I mean, mm. like... Sure, if it produces like sound effects and <laughs> it has it does. a soundtrack, it does. It, it makes sounds. Yeah, there are built-in speakers. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> Never mind. Forget everything <laughs> you said. Forget what I said. No, no, no. Um, that's quite cool. I think I just like that sort of thing because it reminds me of my youth, where there'd be games that would do that, and it was really corny and and fun. Uh, but now I imagine they wouldn't be fun to play anymore because they probably sound like. <laughs> Are we buying new batteries? Yeah. <laughs> Are we referencing like Arabian Derby here? Is that what you mean when you say? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Yeah. Slash camel racing game that was in like. Never mind. Okay, never mind. Um, like Dark Tower, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like Dark Tower. Those kind of. I was thinking, wasn't there one which was like a video and you were a babysitter and there was a video that you had to put you're on? You're thinking of... I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's called, not like... Dream Phone, it's something no, else. something else. I know what you're talking about and it's going to haunt me for the rest of my life <laughs> until I remember what it is. Or like Atmosphere that I have a copy of. 
you know, the haunted copy of Atmosphere I've got. Looking slightly off topic. <laughs> yeah. But Lonely's just looking this game up. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, in a way, you can see why these digital tables, there's a lot of them coming about now, because in a perfect sense, you could... If two people had one of these, if they were a commercial product, mm -hmm. you could play, you know, remote long distance games because it mm. would just reflect almost like um, the chess sets where it lights up and you can play against someone with the same chess set. Like that's a that's a really nice kind of use case. But I think there can't be that many people after that or willing to stump up that amount of cash. Yeah, I can't imagine a... how much that sort of thing would cost. Yeah, to like learn a new it might not have rules or it might try and streamline the rules, but you've also got to then learn a new like tablet interface or what, mm -hmm. you know, it's just a different kind of hurdle. So it's, sorry, I don't know why <laughs> my brain is not working today. Um, yeah. So the, the, um, the, the only one of these that's kind of intrigued me are the, are the AR ones where it's like, you have like a sort of augmented reality system that can sort of determine what model is in front of it. And then just like, show you the stats by just you know holding a camera over stuff so you can just sort of point at two things and yeah. say battle and you know that seems like a much more user-friendly yeah. much more like available to people because you can basically install it onto a smartphone like the the idea that you tie this stuff to physical products especially if you know you need to use a brand new system to effectively play it and that brand new system can only be played with this thing which isn't available for you to get at home it seems like a a you know, setting a ship to launch that's already got 40 holes in it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's that's just my tip of tea. This definitely falls into uh, a soapbox of mine, which is technology that solves a problem that doesn't exist and so has to create a problem, convince you that this is a problem that their product will solve, <laughs> which is annoying. Mm. Mm. Well, good luck to them. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, <laughs> Hopefully, it's, it's, it's kind of early days of this stuff, and it might be that five, ten years down the line, there is actually a mm -hmm. version of this that is accessible, does make sense for games that people already play, yeah. and actually does benefit them. But I think right now we're kind of in that stage where you look at it and kind of go, "Why? Yeah. Why does this exist? Who does this exist for? Um, other than investors, I suppose." But, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's interesting to see people doing doing new stuff. Either way, you know, hopefully, hopefully it pans out. Um, as a last little one, uh, PAX Unplugged has been dated to return next December. We will put Whoa! a disclaimer here that Dicebreaker is owned by the company that runs the PAX Events Read Pop. Um, so PAX Unplugged was cancelled this year. There was no digital replacement, unlike Gen Con and Essen Spiel, uh, UK Games Expo. There was PAX Online cross EGX Digital, which we were a part of, um, but PAX Unplugged itself. Uh, just completely skipped this year uh, because of COVID uh, and the health and safety concerns uh, related to that. But it's been dated to return next December from December to 10th till the 12th. Um, so, yes, uh, and that's the physical event, um, which mm. the, the PAX folks um, kind of say, uh, so they say, let's just say the quiet part out loud. If COVID-19 remains a major barrier to safely gathering at one of our shows, we won't do it or we will take it virtual. Um, so That's in 369 days. Hey, oh. As of, of the time of that, this was filmed, I should say. 
So, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. by the time this goes live, it will be almost exactly a year. Um, mm. So who yeah. knows what the world will look like in a year? It might be a, 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 an ash-covered husk mm. by then. But hey, <laughs> right, keep it like, like lame breezy, lame breezy. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, don't expect any opinions on that either, because as you say, we're we're owned by packs. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more of an, an FYI that yeah. it's, it's coming back. Um, so yeah, there we go. Um, Pax East uh, and Pax West are also due to return next year. Um, Pax East took place this year, I think, just before everything went into lockdown. Pax West yeah. was cancelled. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't one of them scheduled for June? Should be West, I think. Yeah, so PAX East will be held June 3rd to 6th. PAX West will be from September 3rd to 6th. Um, so they, I think they've been pushed back a number of months already from their mm-hmm. usual slots in the calendar. And PAX South will not take place. But safe. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, Texas, maybe 2022. <laughs> <laughs> as the as we said from that snippet in the article, it's it's aspirational, right? I, I don't think. Yeah. I don't the, think it's being put there to say, hey, we're definitely going to open no matter what happens. It's more just but, like, you're planning. Yeah. We're hoping, yeah. Yeah, they use the phrase optimistic. It's an optimistic yeah. plan. Um, so yeah, it's it's not set in stone because what is right now? Mm-hmm. Um, well, but... I really want it to be the truth. I want to be able to go to conventions again. The bagels again, don't we, ladies? Oh, <laughs> I want the bagels. I want all the good stuff. I want the good breakfast. Nice. Well, let's continue the snack discussion as we move well, into emails. If emails! You've got, <laughs> if you've got an email for us, you can reach us at podcast at dicebreaker.com. You can find us on Twitter at joindicebreaker. You can head to dicebreaker.com or just find us around the internet. We're about. Yes, um, do it, you idiot. <laughs> wow, that's the <laughs> that's the inclusive, friendly, welcoming feel that everyone comes to dice for. Wow. No, no, you're all great. Can you reprobate? <laughs> uh, Lolis, would you like to read this one from Wei Han, please? I'd love to. Uh, Wei Han says, Dear Dicebreaker team, if you had to design an ice cream flavor or other snack inspired by a tabletop game that isn't necessarily just an edible version of an edible looking board game component, what would you come up with? It's always a joy to listen to the podcast every weekend while I do my meal prep for the upcoming week. Keep up the great work. Hey. Wei Han. Yeah. Uh, a little minor note before we um, move on. Weihan has provided their pronouns, which I'm a big, yes, big, big, big yeah. So thank you very much for that. Do um, it, you idiot. Please do, it. <laughs> please do that if you do send it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think, well, it's worth shouting out Lolis, your Dice Baker uh, series mm-hmm. here, available on youtube.com slash Dice Breaker, um, fits straight into this category uh, because you do, in fact, make foods inspired by tabletop games. Yes, there have been, I, I think, what, like seven episodes, maybe. And I made the Dice Tower from Wingspan out of gingerbread. That was tasty. Oh, yeah. It was, it was tasty, but it wasn't very well built. No. <laughs> <laughs> I made Scrabble tiles, um, which were very, very good, weren't they? I've actually been meaning to make them since. Uh, super easy to make. But they were like, che- they were essentially cheese crackers, really small cheese crackers. I've made um, Jenga out of shortbread. That was a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Yummy, though. (laughs) Yummy. It was was funny. Um, I've made the Azul. I've made Azul tiles. Oh, they were good. Mm, Ice biscuits, essentially. Uh, What else? I did other things. Um, What about ice cream, Loli? Oh, Ticket to Ride. I made Ticket to Ride. Um, Yeah, the little trains. Mm. I say, they were massive. They were massive, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, ice cream. If you had to design an ice cream flavor inspired by a tabletop game, mm. a cardboard flavor. I don't know. <laughs> 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 it's just pulp. <laughs> Just scoops of pulp, please. Oh, oh! I guess you could be like. I mean, are we talking about like if you looked at a zoo, right? Like the colors are quite cool. So maybe you could Ooh. do like what co- what ice cream flavor would this like lovely turquoise be? Peppermint. So, so yeah, like a mint flavor. This yeah, was we'll actually my answer. I was going to say was going to be a Zool, and I've been thinking about this since you read the question. And I think it would be a vanilla base with candied persimmon and blood oranges, and Ooh. some mint chocolate oh, chunks. Yeah, and yeah. then mint chocolate chunks for the uh, for the other tiles that the, the, oh, the yeah. like the <laughs> teal and black. The, the orange red. one. My first thought was like mm-hmm. yeah, like a, a red. Ooh. one. we got a professional here. Yeah. <laughs> Chase just gets on with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I would. What I would quite like is. Uh, has anyone had mochi ice cream? Where yeah. it's like mm-hmm. all of ice cream wrapped in mochi. I think that's a good delivery system for eating ice cream whilst playing board games because it stops it from melting all over the table. You don't have to like precariously have a spoon over any components or anything. You bite into it, and it's good to go. So maybe that's my answer. I just want it all to be in mochi form. <laughs> for a love letter. I'm just looking, I'm just picking up games that are around. It's like your improv set. I would, I would go for like, could you, is there such a thing as making ice, you know, um, a Black Forest Gateau? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Making ice cream. Yeah. 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 There you go. So, fruits. Yeah. yeah. With, dark, with dark chocolate. Yeah. No. Uh, it's almost like a Magnum flavor, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, but it isn't though, is it? It's or, all. <laughs> um, how about a Jaws of the Lion Bar flavor? Oh, that's oh. Good. Yeah. whoa! That's good. I love Lion Bars. Oh, I haven't had one of those in years. Yeah, me yeah. neither, but they're great, aren't they? Mm. <laughs> Sponsored oh. by Lion Bar. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I'd love to see board game cocktails. I think there are a few that have been created here or there by board game cafes. But... Uh, I I did some for Dice Baker. Leaning right into the camera. <laughs> Here comes the plug. I did some for Dice Baker one time. I did some for uh, Kredlenberg. Uh, yeah, you did. Yes. Oh. Yeah, but what a good game. <laughs> that, uh, Matt had his dad voice on there. It's like, oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, well yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> he had it on his head for about a week and then he threw it away. I would never do that, Lily. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't um, put out. I can't stop thinking about, have you ever been to a corner shop and you've seen those sweets? I think they're sweets. I've never actually eaten one. That are like camel's camel's balls. What the hell are you talking about? I swear to God, they exist. Do you mean mean the peaches? No, I mean like you can go to a corner shop. Uh, you know the kind of corner shop I'm talking about where they have no, like... No, I don't. <laughs> no, no, no. I do. I do. They, have, they have like four different types of flavors of Starburst and like Chew It and like white, like Kinder Buenos. Like the kind of place that you find those sweets that you wouldn't really find you in a supermarket. Is that what you mean? <laughs> sort of. I've not seen them in Easy Hours, I think. But they're, I've never eaten them, but I've, I've always... You know, obviously not fail to notice they're there because they're marketed to to, to you know, you. kids, two kids. <laughs> but they're like they're oh, like camel balls. balls. <laughs> I, I think they're meant to be gross or something. But uh, now I'm thinking of those, but camel up. 
Can you please, first of all, take a picture? Secondly, right, buy, I will find these. buy some I'm... and take a video of you tasting them, please. Kind I of... don't want to eat them because they look really gross. Ian I think... eats camel balls. <laughs> yeah. I, think I think they've got like goo, like sweet goo in them. I would love if this was just a really normal sweet that you've completely misinterpreted. <laughs> no, no, no. I've literally found a picture of them now. They're mine. Camel. Oh, camel. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a significant marketing challenge with something called camel up balls. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it'd be like strawberry flavored with with like I'm now looking up camel. I've balls. just put I've just put them in Slack. Matt, like, you don't need to read the next question. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Oh my god, hold on. There is actually they're called camel balls. Yeah. I'm oh. looking at them now. Don't yeah. know what to call them really. Yeah. I didn't make I, it up. I, why? I, I thought you were describing <laughs> them to look like camel balls. No. They actually were camel oh, balls. Oh, I'm googling. They look like disgusting meatballs with strawberry jam inside. They Chase, uh, what do you what think about picture? It's got a picture of a camel's. Yeah, Chase, what do you think about this as a kind of representation of of these the UK's corner shops. British. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Listen, it, here in the in the West, the US, we have something called Rocky Mountain oysters, which are not oysters <gasps> at all. I've heard of these. Yeah, mm. they are something else. Uh, well, they're in the balls ballpark. <laughs> the ball's they're in the balls <laughs> court. Yeah, put them in the balls <laughs> section down the local corner shop. Yeah. I just want to point something out. Yeah. I want to point something out. Hello. Finny, the brand that makes camel balls. Yeah. Are from the USA. Oh, yeah. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> they all just send them all over here. They don't blame us. <laughs> this one time, UK, you get off. <laughs> Usually it's our fault, but in this case. <laughs> oh, we still sell them. Um, no, they're Spanish. They're Spain's number one candy maker, and they're brand new in the USA wheels. Well, they it says are on their more, website. They are still more <laughs> likely to be found in the US. I really regret this now. Matt, yeah. move on. Move on. <laughs> Wills, do you want to read this one from Dave? I'd love to, Matt. Uh, from Dave <laughs> Commons. Hi, folks. I would love to know if there are good games to play in the vein of diplomacy that don't ruin friendships or that are good to introduce people to. I know Scythe can be played this way once the initial session is done synchronized. Um, but what else if... What else is there, if anything? I feel this is a void in the industry. I have friends in many coasts. I have co-workers with different schedules. I know I am starting to really have a hard time with the isolation of COVID at this point. Mm. And while I'm playing more RPGs, having some something asynchronous would be amazing. Thanks for all the great content, Dave Cummins. Thanks for writing in. Mm -hmm. That's asynchronous. You can do it with Root Digital. Like... Yeah, yeah. You, you can take turns along a much longer schedule. So, yeah. So I think I think the question here is: Are there games that are digitized like Diplomacy, like in the way that uh, that Johnny was uh, talking about in the podcast quite a lot, mm. uh, but are not going to destroy friendships? <laughs> in which case, I've got nothing. <laughs> I think there's like, through the eight. I think most most decent board game adaptations now have some kind of asynchronous mode mm. because people know that. It's a very popular choice. So, uh, yeah, Root, Root has really weird options where it's like free, you get three minutes for your turn or three days. <laughs> and that's how they kind of like break it down. Um, but I... the... Sorry, go on. Uh, I was just going to say the other one that I know of is Through the Ages, which has quite a good asynchronous mode and is a great game to boot. Um, 
I talk about Board Game Arena all the time, a website yeah. where I like to play board games on, and you can play either in real time or you can play with 24-hour turns, and yeah. they've got loads of different games available, um, which is a really good option if, if you're looking for time between turns and, and stuff. And <laughs> and then you can play Tash Kalar, which is brilliant. <laughs> you can play Love Letter. It's it's really good, and yeah, and like the twenty four. I think it's twenty four hour turns. Yeah, um, yeah, because they even do tournaments like that where you have mm. twenty four hours to take your turns and stuff like that. I that's highly recommend because you've got a big selection of games there as well, yeah. and it's free. Like you can pay for premium, but. You only get like a um, specific, like Love Letter is on premium, Carcassonne is on premium, I think. But like, I actually re didn't realize this before. If one of you has premium, you can set up the table and the rest oh. of you can play, even if they don't. That's nice. Um, and it's like 20 quid a year also, even if, you know, it's yeah. well worth it, I say. Hmm. Been, as, as someone who's been a premium member for a few years now, it's well worth it. Like, because they do really good stuff on there. As someone who's been a premium member <laughs> quite a few years now. <laughs> yeah, actually, somebody bought me a premium membership for a gift a few years ago, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to keep being a premium member now. Hmm. Good times. We are not sponsored by Board Game Arena. No, no but, but if you like a website, sponsor. Um, yeah. Support it, <laughs> support it <laughs> I was going to say. Especially yeah. dicebreaker.com. <laughs> Board Game Arena adding games every day of December, right, as well. So yeah. I think there's already a lot of games on there, but they're, they're adding more as part of like an advent calendar. For yeah. Advent mm -hmm. calendar. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that actually, yeah. And they do, they're doing like beta things as well at the moment. I know they've got like the crew and some other games. They've got like beta versions, which is a new thing. They're, they're like, they've really changed the website a lot, especially in the last year. Um, they've really upgraded it. And I think they, I think I saw somewhere that they have like 5 million members or something. Yeah. Because yeah. of COVID, like the membership just went like way up this year. Um, and it's, it's madness but it's great because you can pretty much always find somebody to play something with like if you open a table you just play with randomers and it's great and there's a rating system which usually ensures that people aren't like massive do doobies camel balls, camel balls. <laughs> i don't know what a doobie is but doobie i think is a a drug cigarette what about right. you, Chase? Do you have any ideas? I was going to say Board Game Arena because I've got a friend who has premium and has invited me to start playing some games. He's got about 10 eight synchronous tables going at any one time. Oh. And he's just, he's playing it like, uh, I guess it gives him as much enjoyment as a one full game, but he'll just spend a couple hours every night going through his tables, playing a Love couple of rounds. And uh, the one drawback is that it sends emails whenever it's your turn. Like it's oh. 2008. You, can you can't. You can Great. Yeah, because I I don't have that on. Good. I don't think. So that way. Oh, you... I don't know. Well, he turned it off because he was getting 400 emails a day about him. Yeah. Being oh, yeah. Um. But yes, I would. I, I'm just going to second Lolly's in saying yes. Board game arena. I think it's the best <laughs> way to go. Do you just imagine your friend playing 10 games at once? It's like a very much less exciting version of the Queen's Gambit. Like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, Queen's Gambit. <laughs> Can you imagine that? But like she's going around each table, it's like Carcassonne on one side and then Twilight Imperium. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Miam, would you like to read this last one from Aaron? I would love to. Uh, Aaron says, Hello, Dicebreaker team. 
My six-year-old daughter has begun to show an interest in more difficult games, and I was wondering if you had any recommendations. She understands the rules of and loves such games as Pandemic, Forbidden Island, Wingspan, and Root, <laughs> though admittedly her strategy in the competitive games is a little lacking. Cooperative games might be the way to go, as I'm worried that she'll become discouraged if she keeps losing at competitive games. What games do you recommend that are as interesting and challenging enough for a six-year-old who plays Brute uh, and are of an appropriate content level for her age group and doesn't have such crushing defeats? Um, I suppose I could start with throwing games. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, never yeah. throwing games. Oh, God, Lolis. Not even yeah. for your daughter, your no, six-year-old I, daughter. <laughs> I used to hate that because I used to, like, in my old job, I used to, like, uh, do a lot of demoing um and uh i'd often see like parents throwing games on purpose and i'm like that doesn't teach them anything surely and it's like oh, I mean, it's like teaching kids for war <laughs> <laughs> you just... can't kill a human you can't be ready for it <laughs> it's just like if the kid has a problem with losing like play, play a game that they can legit win at there's plenty of them there um anyway anyway i'm first of all i wanted to say i'm crazy impressed with mm. the six-year-old um mm. so also going back to um when i was doing like events and like demoing for for kids and parents and whatever else um i find that i or i used to find that like parents seem to think that their kids are often like dumber than they are like i used to be like oh that you know this game like your kid is gonna be really good at and i would explain the game and the parent just be like I don't get it and i think it was like the parent didn't get it so they think yeah, their kid wouldn't the get it stupid, definitely. <laughs> yeah and it's like no honestly honestly your your kid will get this and i would sit down with the kid and the kid would just like straight away just like smash it um so yeah i'm, I'm really excited about this six-year-old who's playing root because i've never even played root and it sounds hard from what i've heard <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, i was gonna say if, if she can learn root she can probably play the vast okay. majority of games i don't think anything's going to be overly challenging in all honesty mm. it would just be the the content you decide is appropriate mm -hmm. yeah. yeah maybe we do uh, towards cooperative stuff if if uh, you're worried about about losing too much uh yeah a more complicated co-op game the theme though maybe not that's why i was running yeah Mm, I, was yeah. I think say, I think it was like root root is quite is like child friendly like the way it even like is like the design of it and so yeah theme is vicious yeah I've never played it again so uh, Azul mm -hmm. that's not cooperative but <laughs> to be honest pandemic legacy well. You know, it's a, it's much simpler than Root, but it is a fantastic cult game. And because it keeps evolving, there's always kind of new strategy, but you're going yeah. through it together. Um, it like Mice and Mystics, also fantastic. Yeah, that's a good those, pick. Um, those, game, those campaign games that just gradually introduce things with each session as well just make it so much easier to yeah. teach. Like, I'd say Stuffed Fables is probably too easy for your your six-year-old now. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, <laughs> go, maybe go on to, yeah, Mice and what? Mystics. Fabled, Fabled Fruit is a quite good one. Mm. It's not cooperative either, is it? is it? I haven't played it in ages. I can't really remember. I don't I think it is. I think so. But mm. that's a really nice one. And that's um, one where it, it kind of st things keep changing as well. But it's just like a card game with fruit. Mm. <laughs> with fruit. Mm. <laughs> with fruit. <laughs> if they could uh, any other? fruit, I would say Mysterium. 
That's a great goal. I think this year, I would think it would be really interesting to see how a six-year-old would do the sort of like yeah. cognitive like interpretation of images in Mysterium. I think that'd be really cool. And the subject matter is it's like very colorful and bright without being too deep into the you know oh someone was killed and you got to figure out why stuff. Mm, that's true. yeah, you don't have to explain that bit. Yeah, like, the only thing with Mysterium is you need like a certain amount of players really. Yeah. Like what's the minimum like three or four? I think you can play with two. You know. As long as you got one ghost and one player. Yes. I've never played with two. I don't know how we would go. I've always at least had three or four people. There's also Mysterium Park that came out this year, right? That's mm. the smaller version, so that might scale mm. down to fewer people. Mm. Uh, I, yeah. think, I think the, the lesson to take home from this one is like your kids are a lot smarter than you think they are. Um and like this whilst this uh, particular girl that we're talking about is obviously very, very clever, like that doesn't mean that this is like an edge case. Like that there's um, a lot of parents that probably don't give their kids enough credit. So my um, my mum is a, a special needs teacher, or was rather. She's retired now. But um, a lot of the time she would find that, because she was a dyslexia specialist, she'd teach a lot of kids who would really struggle to to sit down and read a book because they'd struggle to go through the lines. But, you know, if you gave them a video game, they'd read the tutorials and no problem because they're super engaged and, and like, it mm -hmm. it sparks them to, to do something a little bit more... Um, a little bit more challenging for them because they're super interested and involved in, in wanting to get the thing out of it. Mm. So a lot of the time, if you find a theme that your kid is really into, if your kid loves pirates and you find a pirate game for them, no matter how complicated it is, they Robinson, will learn it. Robinson they will Crusoe. learn it. Not Robinson Crusoe. Don't play Robinson Crusoe, <laughs> but they will learn it. <laughs> I mean, for Forgotten Waters um, mm -hmm. came out this year, and that yeah. is a story kind of driven campaign game and apparently is fantastic. I haven't yeah. played it myself yet. Uh, various is, reasons but is above and below is that cooperative uh yeah i think so i've heard that that's quite popular with kids i don't think it is cooperative oh is it just yeah i think it's just it has adventures that you go on but they're very very small uh, okay. i've i've played near and far i haven't played above and below but near and far is is competitive so i don't know okay. if it's the same thing for above and below but yes yeah. uh yeah you are right you're competing to build the best best village um, I mean, Charterstone as well. It's not the best of the legacy games, but it is, it's strategic. It's got a nice kind of look to it. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I think, <laughs> like everyone's just said, really just find something that you think is going to engage through the theme. Mm -hmm. And mm. at this point, I wouldn't worry about how complex it is. I would just mm -hmm. find the game that you're both invested in and go from there. Yeah. Maybe not like, what's that one? The power one? Power? Oh, power, power Grid. Power, Power grid, yeah. Power grid. Yeah, that's a bit dry, that one. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, steer away from, like, Kingdom Ch there. Ch <laughs> Chocolate factory. <laughs> I mean, even Cypher at some point is... this. The theme is fine. Like, it's, it's warring factions, but it's massively strategic. Any of those games, you know, the kind of big hitters you'd expect. Like, no, I don't think anything is going to be more... Complex than root, so you could basically just say they're robots rather than mechs with people in, because you you physically get punished for hurting other mm. people's civilians. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, that is all the emails we have time for this week. Thank you for sending in your emails. Once again, you can reach us at podcast at dicebreaker .com. Find us on Twitter at join dicebreaker. Head to dicebreaker .com. Before we leave you, video team, what have we got coming up on the YouTube? <laughs> Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. Don't worry. Today is Friday. Oh, <laughs> Today is Friday. So tomorrow, 
there will be a new episode of Dungeon Breaker. Mm-hmm. Starting a new arc, I believe, this week. No, no. second no, second episode of the oh. arc that we've just started. Oh, okay. I I have missed the last couple, so I, I don't know where we are. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm on top of things. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, by now, we will have done some painting on yesterday's stream. And on oh. Wednesday... Should I say it, Wheels? I'm scared. <laughs> we are planning to do a playthrough of uh, Pandemic Zero, which I think a lot of people have been uh, quite interested in, based on Google Analytics. Uh, so we're gonna... <laughs> wow, real peek behind the curtain there. Yeah, yeah we're going to have a little um, a little playthrough to, to show off because we have a review of the game, but we never did, actually did a let's play, um, and it's difficult to do legacy game let's plays because obviously there's spoilers. But we're just going to play through like the the sort of like demo scenario kind of um, like introductory thing to, to show off the game and, and show what it's like. Because it's actually quite different from Pandemic. Uh, yeah. And it's as far as I'm aware, it's not virus-based. So hopefully... No, <laughs> no it's not. Yeah, uh, I, make it a little bit easier to stomach. Yeah, I reviewed it. It is fantastic. I think it's way better than I expected. It's it, I think it will surprise a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you're a little bit kind of apprehensive about the theme this year of all years, um, it's mainly Cold War spy shenanigans yeah. um, yeah. rather than the the spreading of a virus across the world, which, you know, fair enough if that's not really what you want to be into right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't blame you. Yeah. Cool. But of so course, Sunday. The, the brutal so... spell of viruses could never be worse than the brutal spread of communism. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lonnie, just to clarify, this, this is happening um, this Wednesday coming up. No, no two days ago. <laughs> it would have happened. Okay. Well, we're ho- here's hoping it has happened by the time this podcast has gone out. Time is wild, you know. <laughs> but, the, but it hasn't are... happened yet as we're recording this, and this is why I'm nervous to mention it. <laughs> the day after Saturday, Lonely's will be in the future, even when the podcast goes out. Yes, and what is the day after, Wheels? Well, we're hoping <laughs> it will be a Let's Play of Mechanica, um, which is actually going to be a sponsored video. So we're going to have the um, the designers slash the the sort of studio representatives with us showing us through the game, uh, which is quite cool. So join us for that as well. And then next week, Lolis. A whole other week is upon <laughs> 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 oh, It's good we don't drag out this bit at the end, isn't it? Like, <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that we don't know if it's going to happen or not. So let's just say that on Thursday, we are hoping to do a live stream of some Christmas party games mm-hmm. for the whole team. Wow! Yeah. Yeah. So if you saw our um, our previous one we did of this, where we played finger guns at high noon and and uh, drawful and all that kind of stuff. Not drawful, you know what I mean. Um, then yeah, very, very good fun. Looking forward yeah. to Yeah, expect mm-hmm. shenanigans and hygiene. Shenanigans! Mm-hmm. Uh, over on the website dicebreaker.com uh we have as of today we have a piece looking at the dungeons and dragons movie from 2000 uh which it t- turns 20 years old today as we record this Whoa, that's um, yeah that is sick. <laughs> so, yeah dan Jordan looked back on on the kind of troubled development of it and how it ended up as what it is yeah. right. Right? it's really something 20 years ago <laughs> Yeah, it shouldn't be that difficult to figure that out, but it is, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just awesome. the year 2000s, 20 years ago, it seems logical, but also doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, we also have already up um, 
especially as of the time you listen to this, we have a list of the best Warhammer armies uh, in 40k from Emma Partlow, uh, who you may have listened to join us on the podcast last week. Um, yeah. Again, check that out. There's some fantastic picks. Um, we have upcoming, probably live as of the time this goes up, uh, Alex, me and you've been looking ahead to 2021 in terms of RPGs. Oh. Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, a... Yeah, there's some great RPGs coming next year. Uh, one of them has Batman in it. Oh. <laughs> there's some good uh, ones on there as well. And there's some good ones on there. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the stage. There's, there's yeah. really great RPGs coming up. And the Batman RPG. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. By the yeah, the, the, by the time you're watching slash listening to this, there'll be a list of the top RPGs coming out in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want to catch up on the hottest role playing stuff, then there's an article. That's it. Uh, and also among the very many news stories and whatnot, we'll also have a retrospective looking back on how Magic the Gathering has fared this year from Jason Calls. Um, who's been very kindly providing a lot of our Magic the Gathering coverage the last few months um, and doing a fantastic job of it. Um, but he kind of looks back on how how it's been in a year when no one can get together in the same room to play Magic together. Um, and it's a really interesting retrospective, whether you're kind of into Magic or not. Um, but before you, we leave you, uh, thanks very much for joining us, Chase. And thanks so much for, well, your contributions to the website over the last month and a bit. Uh, it's been fantastic. Um, where can folks find you if they're looking for for more of your work once you're sadly no longer with us? Yeah. Dress <laughs> once I am unshackled from the content mines in which editor <laughs> Matt Jarvis keeps whipping content out of me. Um, <laughs> wow! Uh, you can find me. <laughs> Somebody's finally addressed hey, it. I get yeah. results. In acting shocked. That is a direct <laughs> quote from Alex Meehan. Yeah. <laughs> I never said anything about the whipping. <laughs> I, I did say I was in the contractually. Contractually, she's not like. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Chase Writes. That's W R I T E S. Uh, I'll post basically anything that I end up doing after this on there. I work in video games. I work in tabletop. Uh, Entertainment in general, you can hear my poor old cat coughing into the mic now. I'm so sorry. But, uh, oh, God, um, but yeah, so yeah, just head on over to Twitter. Give me a follow there. And basically anything I uh, do, you can find there. What's your cat's name? This is Xavier. He's a tuxedo and he's a he's 12 and just has a lot of idiosyncrasies, but he's still living large. Oh, yeah. my cat is 15 and a half. Yeah. Oh, that's but wonderful. Yeah. Sprinting after each other recently. So they're a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank you again, Chase, for well, for everything, for being on this, for you know, your, what you've made the website the last the last month for us. So it, I'm sure it won't be the last we see of you on Dicebreaker. I we'll miss you uh, in the news. I know the thirst is leaving. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> it's just me talking to Matt about how I find covers of certain board games attractive, and then he just nods and says, "Yes." Yeah, cracks the whip again. <laughs> Right, this needs to worry about Monopoly. Um, and of course, thank you, Alex Lolis. Hi, thanks. <laughs> thank you, Will. Thanks. Thank you, Alex Meehan. Thanks. Uh, I've been Matt Jarvis. Thank you for listening. Take care out there. Stay safe. We'll be back next Friday with more of the Dicebreaker podcast. But until then, have a lovely day. Bye. Bye. Bye.